That's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast where we discuss what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and alongside me, as always, is Brandon. And today we have another guest with us, Desmond Fung, who is a friend of the show. Uh, he's been pursuing his career into the world of science, and he's already used some words that I know and some words that I don't know. So, <laughs> Desmond, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, again, look, Desmond's one of my good buddies, just kind of like Gabe was. Desmond, I think you and I met, I think, grade eight through some mutual friends. Yeah. And then uh, really, really developed our bond through uh, Call of Duty online. <laughs> yeah, those were the good days. So many evenings, oh, yeah. hours spent. Zombies. Zombies playing Call of Duty. NHL, NHL 12 was yeah. huge for us. Yeah. That was a big game for us. But yeah, and I've been so fortunate that we've been able to keep this friendship alive yeah. for so long. Even though we've kind of gone our separate ways for school, being able to reconnect whenever we're both in town. And uh, almost 10 years later. Yeah, it's been great. And I mean, <laughs> don't forget about Orlando, too. Oh, Orlando? That uh, school science field trip. Oh, man. That was awesome. Yeah, Graham, did I ever tell you about that? No, you got to break that down for me. Right <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure Desmond can kind of fill in the gaps. But one of the field trips that our school puts on every year is a trip to Orlando to go and experience Walt Disney World and Universal Studios, but for science reasons. <laughs> so basically, both uh, companies have <laughs> like school camps set up where you go and learn about the, I'm doing air quotes here, but the quote unquote physics and science the roller behind coasters. all the rides and the roller coasters. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I think we did most of our work before the trip. And then when we were there, we were just doing the rides. Yeah. You know, seeing the shows. And it was, it was really Lots good. of data I, collection. Yeah. I don't think, did we do any data collection? I, I remember one, at, um, it must have been in, in Magic Kingdom where they did do a demo. Like, I remember playing with like marbles and like pieces for like roller coaster stuff. But okay. I do, I, I think you're right. Like we used to meet it was like morning. Wednesday mornings <laughs> yeah. at like 6.30. Everyone would have to go to school, all 50 of us. And we'd have to do these like science and homework projects and um, get things signed. Yeah, like yeah. assignments, just yeah. like, just, just stuff um, to get us to go down. But yeah, that, that, I forgot about that. That was a great time. That was a Poker great stars, time. we tried to be cool. We thought we were going to have so much downtime in the hotel. So <laughs> we were trying to get all the guys. I, I don't know. I must have been like really big into Poker Stars at that point, and uh, we were trying to get all the guys to download Poker Stars so that we like could play, play Poker online Stars. poker in the states. <laughs> play online poker together in the states in the hotel room when there was downtime. Yeah, um, but I think because like a it's a Canadian website, we couldn't play or something. Um, it didn't end up working out, but we were always just so exhausted from the day, anyways. Yeah, so yeah, that was another thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, riding all those roller coasters and learning what science is yeah. such exhaustive work. <laughs> Real tough day at the office, eh? <laughs> being in the Florida sun. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, that's kind of a little bit of a history on on Desmond and I. And then Desmond reached out to me 
probably in October, November, just asking when I was going to be home, when we could meet up again. And um, I've always been so fascinated with the kind of stuff that Desmond's been doing in school because it's so different from what Graham and, and I do and then Brian as well. And I just think it's super interesting. So I told him that we got the podcast going and um, asked him if he was interested in coming on and talking a little bit about his school and his research, his research and his experiences. And he gave me some new news that I hadn't even known about, which I hope we can get into today as well. So, um, yeah, I wanted to thank you for taking some time and being open to coming on. And Yeah, absolutely. And us. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here uh, and talk about graduate school with you guys. Before we get started, I just want to say you guys are great co-hosts. <laughs> the content that you provide to the audience definitely is, it goes beyond what's interesting. And I think it harps on true friendship, important social issues. And it's all very genuine, so it's a pleasure to be a guest on the show. Oh, that's a solid plug. I feel like we should... Uh, yeah, it's really kind to say. It's really kind to say. I feel like we should keep that and use that before every episode as a <laughs> as a testimony. An endorsement, yeah. yeah. As an endorsement to the show. <laughs> Send that to Domino's. We're waiting for a pizza. Yeah, see so if we can use that to uh, get our sponsorship. <laughs> it's funny, Desmond is coming over and we're saying, he's like, we should definitely order some Domino's. So yeah. we're, gonna we're gonna make that happen at some point tonight. Good stuff. <laughs> um, so that I think I think that that's a good place to start. Desmond, what is your ideal three topping pizza? Oh well, three toppings. I guess we'd have to go. Yeah, like what are we getting? Basically, pepperoni. <laughs> Solid on, choice. On there. Um, I have to say, throw a little sausage on there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, get some mushrooms on there. Well. I think that's probably really similar to what I said. Or black olives, you know. Or black olives, I'd do that. Big time. We're gonna enjoy that. Sorry, Graham. Hey, man, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll send you one. So I can live through you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's have awesome. Guys, cool. Have you guys ever tried the um like it's it's baked in a a different pan? Like it's deep dish? Uh, deep dish, but from Domino's. Oh, no, mm, or, no. I think it's called pan pan pizza. Pan pizza. Yeah, instead of like the hand tossed. No, I haven't had their pan oh. crust. Pizza Hut's pan crust is incredible, but I haven't had. Uh, you gotta try the Domino's. Well, maybe we'll do that today. Yeah, <laughs> Domino's pan crust. It's really good. We've been trying since episode one to get that Domino sponsorship, so I feel like it's coming. <laughs> yeah, maybe twenty thirty years coming. from now, but but uh, we're working towards it. We're trying to get there. Even like a even a even a three percent discount would be great. You know, we'll take it. You know, it's fifty percent off for students in Alberta. What? Yeah, oh, blew my mind. I felt like I wasted so much money in Ontario. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's only in Alberta, so it's okay. I lived off the Domino's in undergrad. <laughs> that was your source of energy at Queens. Yeah, that was definitely my source of energy, and I'm pretty sure we made our decision to move to the place we did because Domino's was so close. <laughs> Like, location 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 yeah. that's what it's all it's about not, it's not even about being close to campus it's about how far are you from <laughs> dominoes <laughs> that's amazing well, that's probably a good segue yeah talk to me a little bit about your experience at queens and your decision to kind of go away and like what went into that did you like it because i know we'll get to it later but you've come back to ubc closer to home oh yeah um i guess in grade 12 i kind of I was pretty sure that I didn't want to stay home. I wanted to, you know, experience what it'd be like to go to, go away for school. 
and uh, my parents never really pressured me to stay home or anything. They both got the opportunity to go away for school. Um, they met in London, in England, so they always understood that it'd be pretty awesome to go away to school, and they wanted to give me that opportunity. So they told me to, when applications were due and, and such to just apply wherever I thought I'd want to go, and, and that's what I did. And so I guess in grade 12, I was pretty sure that I wanted to go into sciences. All my courses were science-heavy and math-heavy. Um, yeah. And uh, then I just, yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of just uh, looked around at all the schools out east, uh, the programs that they offered to see what really interested me the most. And uh, yeah, that's kind of why I decided to go away for school. Did they ever try and pressure you to go to London or go to England to... Uh... To study? No, they didn't. Do they, the Queen's Castle campus? What's that? The Queen's Castle campus in England? Oh, no, no. They they never... Uh, they really didn't have much say of like where to apply or anything. They right. Just, like, you know, That's actually really interesting. I didn't know that um, your parents were encouraging you like that. Yeah, I mean... Because I think that's super fortunate. Like, I know on my end, mom and dad were supportive of Stephen and I going away, but I don't think they were necessarily encouraging the fact. I think, <laughs> you know, mom, if she had it her way, she would have had me go to UBC or SFU to stay closer to home. Yeah, I mean, they did give me some incentives. They were like, oh, hey, if you uh, decide to stay home, maybe we'll uh, just have to get that car sooner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I wanted mm -hmm. to, to live away from home. And at the time, I had a really good buddy of mine from elementary school. And he was also kind of wanting to go away to school. And so we were talking while we were shooting hoops, actually. And uh, he was like, hey, let's let's both apply to Queens. Let's request a board together and, and uh, go from there. Because we both had, you know, similar academic interests. We both wanted to go into sciences and then uh, go into medicine afterwards. So mm -hmm. we both applied and got accepted. Yeah, was that the eventual? So when you had the goal of going to Queens and when you finally knew you were kind of going down that science route was the eventual goal to get into medicine? Yeah, it was uh, my goal in high school was to go to undergrad for four years and then apply to medical school and, uh, and then become a physician. So where along that pathway did that change? Um, mm -hmm. I would have to say after second year. Going into third year, I realized that I didn't want to go into uh, medicine anymore or medical school, um, and there were an there was an opportunity to to do uh, a specialization in at Queens, and so instead of like a major or minor, um, you could specialize. And what that would mean is you had to take certain courses, so you'd get fewer electives, um, but that would also enable you to work one on one with a, a research supervisor and allow you to complete an undergraduate thesis. So I thought that'd be a pretty cool opportunity to like not only boost my CV, but also give research a try. And um, that's what I did. And um, one, of, one of the caveats to that was I had to stay in Kingston for the summer uh, during my transition into fourth year. And I had to do a research internship, which I did at Kingston General Hospital. And that was really cool. And... Uh, then starting fourth year, it was kind of my project was uh, all hands on deck. Right. So I'm interested um, just with your sort of 
early change in trajectory for yourself was it more so the appeal towards the specialization and the undergrad thesis that just it just made perfect sense for you to go that route or was there something that you you learned about the path to become a physician that actually sort of turned you off it or made you more open-minded for those other opportunities i think it was definitely the opportunity to do something different in -hmm. second year we had a course where we got to work in small groups um, and we were supervised by older students uh, i'd say probably fourth year students and we got to get together and, and talk about science and talk about things that were interesting to us and then as a group we decided to study a disease or something fascinating about health and i thought that was really cool because i got to do independent research but then also collaborate with others and then eventually we gave a presentation to the whole class everybody did this and um, that was kind of my i guess intro into research being able to do it with others Um, and it was so specific which was what made it interesting how did you deal with the winters in Kingston? Oh, <laughs> they were <laughs> terrible. They were the worst. They were, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go out <laughs> east again. <laughs> I want to stay here, the West Coast, um, or move somewhere that's also not raining constantly. <laughs> LA would be nice, you know, being the sunshine yeah. all the time. Yeah, I think I've been home for two days maybe two and a half days now and it's been raining for two and a half days straight yeah i think (laughs) that's the uh that's the west coast lifestyle um you can you can sell me uh, on a lot that's out there but rain is not one of them (laughs) and that's honest honestly i just don't uh i don't quite buy in on that level to to drop everything at this point in my life to to commit to van city right now (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's Vancouver's great, Richmond's great, BC's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like everywhere in the summertime is great. I think. Just instead, in the wintertime on the west coast, you get a lot of rain instead of snow. Yeah. And you know, where people complain that it's cold when it's seven degrees outside, people complain when it's cold when it's minus twenty, yeah, or thirty or forty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, as much as I loved going to Waterloo and I built so many awesome relationships, yeah, it's a tough sell to get me to go back to Ontario. Oh, yeah. Just for the weather. I mean, Edmonton's not any better, I guess. I was going to say, I'm I'm closer to the West Coast. I've seen you hate on Edmonton weather so much (laughs) since being there. Like, all of your Instagram stories, all your snaps are like, another foot of snow. (laughs) <laughs> love edmonton look at all this snow like yeah it's it's definitely more of a land of opportunity than it is a land of enjoyment i think that's i don't know a lot of people very like the diplomatic <laughs> well you love the winter you love snow We've talked about this before. oh yeah that's why i'm moving to vancouver right now again <laughs> i'm so close to snow with all the precipitation but it's just yeah. in the wrong yeah. chemical state <laughs> but anyway so that kind of introduction to research for you yeah did that kind of spark your interest to do even more research yeah so i guess in fourth year i got to do my independent project now Mm -hmm. and uh i worked in the gastrointestinal disease research unit so sorry gastrointestinal 
like gastrointestinal gastrointestinal if you were to, like to describe that area what does that mean um so uh diseases that have to do with your gi your gi system so your gut your stomach your esophagus you know okay. intestines because i've had people ask me if i have any or if i've had any gi problems yeah okay and so I'm like i don't know what that means but i'm gonna say no because i feel like if i had a problem i would know yeah yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> so um i guess this might help you out but um my research supervisor was interested in the connection between our gi system and our brain because um as you know we have a separate nervous system outside of our central and peripheral nervous system and that's our gut nervous system Okay. And it acts differently and communicates differently compared to all the nerves in our periphery and in Yes, we do know that. Go system. on. <laughs> um, so he was interested in pain and the disease associated uh symptoms of pain associated with a IBS or Crohn's disease. Okay. So those are kind of GI <laughs> GI diseases that uh, some people suffer with which are really debilitating and and uh quite annoying and that was so then mm -hmm. that kind of sparked the interest of area for you in terms of dealing with pain oh yeah absolutely so uh the research i did in undergrad was was mostly in vitro i was dealing with cells in uh, test tubes and whatnot um extracted from animals of course and i, I did some studies called electrophysiology and that's when you use electrodes to measure electrical currents in neurons which are nerve cells and i also did some cell imaging looking at how calcium ions flow into and out of neurons which are used for cell communication i think i learned a little bit about that in our physiology class this year yeah in terms of atp generation atp generation mm -hmm. yeah calcium's involved yeah. in that and uh, muscle movements yeah. and uh, didn't understand it then <laughs> don't understand it. <laughs> Neurotransmission. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff is so over my head. But I do think it's super interesting. Because, like, again, it's another special... Like, it's another area of knowledge that I know nothing about. But I think that's so cool because there are so many specializations or smaller focuses of knowledge that that exist out there and i think that's so cool because there's so many people exploring different avenues of knowledge and as you've gone into your master's program coming to ubc like all we're doing now is creating new knowledge right and i don't know maybe you can kind of speak to that contrasting of experience between your undergrad and your master's because you did like you're saying you did typically what people don't do is an undergrad thesis yeah right so generally speaking like for graham and i it was very much an applied, not not applied, but like normal learning where there's a subject area, we go and we take notes, we take tests, we write papers, right? Cyclical. And cyclical. And we're using the existing knowledge to come up with all of our answers and for our projects. And we're not really creating anything new. But when you did your thesis, you're going out and you're using existing knowledge you know, probably doing a lit review of some sort, yeah. seeing what theories are out there, and then applying that and trying to answer a question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I guess 
one of the big things, uh, big differences between my undergraduate thesis and the thesis that I'm working on right now for my master's is I was kind of piggybacking off of a graduate student in, in uh, undergrad. So she found out some pretty cool stuff about, um, you know, the communication between our gut and our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And uh, my job was to take a look at that from a different point of view. So earlier I mentioned we looked at how uh, nerves communicated with each other through electrical signals. That's what she did. And, and then what I did was to see how that affected the way calcium ions moved in and out of those cells because electrical signals and calcium signals are interconnected in how everything works together in that sense. So that's one of the big differences, um, I guess, between my master's thesis and undergraduate thesis. And yeah, we're, we're definitely building onto knowledge. And, and that's kind of the, the really cool things about research and doing your graduate degree is you might be the only one at any one point who knows something about a particular system in the whole world. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To have that expertise and that specificity yeah. in a knowledge yeah. is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That must be a sense of pride for you as well, no? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool, you know, if anyone wants to, to learn about something specific. There's no textbook that can teach them that. They have to read your papers to see your work, and try to understand what you found out, and I guess try to follow along the lines of your thinking. Right? It's a lot of independent thinking. So if you could describe a typical day in the in the life of Desmond Fung, <laughs> what would that look like? Because I know you spend a lot of time at the lab doing your research and doing all sorts of kinds of things at all hours of the day. So what does kind of like an average day in the life for you look like? Honestly, I don't think I can answer that um, because every day is is so different. Every week is so different. Every month is so different. Um, For example, there can be days where I have meetings and for to keep my supervisor updated, I have meetings with the department um, to talk about how courses are going, how graduate students are are doing, uh, because I'm the grad student rep mm-hmm. for my department. Um, and I'm also associated with, with different groups outside of my department. So I'm a student represented for, for the graduate student advisory group. And for them, we go over uh, applications to awards. And we discuss whether or not we think that this certain application should receive funding or not. Um, and I'm also a part of the Graduate Student Wellness Network. And in that group, we get together and talk about uh, emotional and mental well-being of graduate students because that's a serious issue that, you know, some people fail to recognize and mm-hmm. talk about. Not only just graduate students, but undergrads too, of course. Can't forget about them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, uh, there are other groups like my friend, she started up her own journal club and that's a bunch of graduate students getting together to talk about the translation between laboratory sciences and clinical sciences. So researchers who utilize 
animals talk about their findings and their laboratory techniques and how that's translatable to um, some researcher who is studying uh, human humans and um, we talk about how things are connected so okay so, so you just told me a lot of things about your life at school that have really nothing to do with your research yeah that's that's the thing mm-hmm. it's you know like there's your research and then there is what you do outside of that in terms of building professional relationships right. and, and whatnot and then that doesn't even speak to the coursework that i had right <laughs> you have courses on yeah. top of that too but so so just sticking with those things for a second like were those things that you went out and said like like why did you decide to do all those things because you don't have to like you're already doing a master's degree you're already doing new research you're already working in a specific field yeah. Like, you're already building yourself as a credible student, right? Like, what was kind of the motivation to go out and do those other things? Because, um, and maybe Graham can touch on this as well. Like, I know, Graham, you were heavily involved mm-hmm. in school as well, being representative on different councils and being kind of the the representative for the students between faculty members, like like Desmond is. I know, Graham, you've, you've sat in that capacity a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um like, where's the motivation for that, Desmond? Like, where does that come from to, to get involved in so many different things? I guess um, one thing that I've really learned to appreciate is that with research, it progresses much easier and more and smoothly if there's collaboration. You know, you can't tackle everything on your own. You will always meet somebody who is uh, wiser than you is smarter than you and and sometimes you just have to stick your neck out there and ask for help and there's no there's absolutely no harm in getting to know somebody or asking for help and you know networking is a big thing in graduate school you can't be a student who just sits in your lab and minds your own business and kind of stays in a shell i think it's best if you kind of branch out and um take courses from a different department join groups and and clubs that interest you and and you know i think if you go into graduate school with a mindset to say yes to a lot of the opportunities that are thrown at you whether that's from your supervisor or through emails you know just go to this event say yes to your supervisor to join this group i mean that's what i did yeah. um for for you know most of the opportunities that I was given and then it's kind of you you build friendships through that and then friendships can lead you to other opportunities and events and uh yeah that's kind of my motivation I guess yeah and that's was that Mm -hmm. like it's similar for you Grant yeah definitely I think being the person that I am and the chronic extrovert I (laughs) find a lot of value in relationships and relationship building and so the opportunity to start relationships, build relationships, uh, improve upon relationships is something that was really appealing to me. And I think for me, a lot of that came from a desire to experience and learn new things. And I saw those extracurriculars as such a, a valuable opportunity to take part in new things with like such such low risk um in terms of whether one might value that as commitment or uh capacity for actual like failure however that might be defined by an individual 
or uh, just the amount of effort that one has to put in to you know maintain that relationship there there's just so much opportunity there my i couldn't wait to get my paws on all that um so it it was just super valuable for me to you know learn what i liked learn what i didn't like through that whole experience that has really sort of shaped my understanding of who i am as a person what i excel at what opportunities for improvement i have and just like the uh, the ability to connect with people is something that's grown so much through all of those different experiences yeah it was funny i was at my aunt's house last night and my three cousins all went to there so they they live in burnaby all three of them went to sfu and all three of them described their experience at sfu as go to class get like take notes go home go to class, take notes, go home. And they were kind of reflecting on that experience and regretting how they, you know, how they went about learning and went about experiencing university. And they wish they had joined clubs and they wish they had gotten involved and wish they had, you know, played intramurals or been on committees or, you know, stayed and just hung around and met people and got engaged Mm -hmm. and, you know, started to explore these other areas because of all those things that you guys have described. Like, yeah. were you that involved at Queens? No, I I don't think I would say that I was super involved to the extent I am now. Yeah. Um, I joined, you know, multiple intramural clubs, and I was a part of my buddy's startup biochemistry club. Um, <laughs> that's huge they, you know, nice. they were interested in developing new ligands for certain receptors and how they could possibly affect protein folding but um you know i i definitely think the involvement that i'm i guess the opportunity sorry the opportunities that i'm given now in terms of joining clubs is much bigger than what i could have done in in undergrad for sure do you feel like that's because like you feel like you've just had this resolution to like sort of redefine yourself in graduate school or is that just something where you feel comfortable in like you know reaching out in this way now what is changed if anything for you to have this sort of change in behavior self-described now that you're in this next stage of your life i think it's just growth as a, as a person you know in undergrad i had a lot of close friends that were in my program and we would all kind of just go to class together take notes you know sometimes study together mm-hmm. um go to the gym together go to the library together like go out together and once you once you get into that cycle it's kind of really hard to find time to break out of that i guess Whereas in in grad school, um, my department is quite small, and there are no other graduate students in my lab. (laughs) There's no lab tech. It's just me and my supervisor. And so I had to, I guess, branch out and make new connections with other people from uh, different departments. And through them, I had other opportunities to to join things. And, And my supervisor, I guess kind of speaks to his greatness he uh, you know he he gives me a lot 
uh, a lot of opportunity to to join things like he'll if he sees a scholarship worth applying for or a grant worth applying for he'll send it my way if he thinks that i should join a club he'll, he'll send it my way and i guess help me out in that sense so yeah i think just being independent in grad school uh whereas in undergrad i was codependent on my peers mm-hmm. so your supervisor doesn't have any other graduate students no it's me and him wow. which is very different right in undergrad when i was doing a thesis i had two phd students a student on co-op and a lab tech all working for my supervisor right whereas now it's me my computer and the office and, and you, you prefer it like this yeah, I think it's 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 different. I, I don't know if I could say I prefer it, but you know, working with different supervisors is is also a big change for sure. I think everything just as cheesy as it is, I think everything just works out how it's supposed to right. work out. I got a lot of guidance and supervision in undergrad, whereas now it's kind of like macro management whereas like some, there are sometimes some weeks where i don't see my supervisor at all there will be weeks that go by there that i just have one meeting with him or he gives me a phone call and that's it you know it's kind of all on my own macro management yeah you know how some so yeah some some supervisors might micromanage and right. you know, have their eyes over your shoulder with everything that you do right which i don't think would be great to be honest um no, and then I guess macro management would be the the opposite of that. Extreme of Interesting. That. I've never heard that term. I mean, I've heard the you know people say I don't want to micromanage and mm-hmm. I want to lead differently, but I've never heard the term micromanage, which is interesting because whenever I hear the term, you know, people want to go away from micromanage, it's usually in a work environment where the job you're doing is already predefined. But like this is a research like situation where you're, yeah. everything you're doing, no one has done before. Yeah. I mean, people have done research before, absolutely, but the stuff that you're looking into is yeah. all brand new. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for you to have questions and for him to be concerned about like <laughs> what you're doing and how you're doing things, yeah. Wow, that's quite interesting. It's like, of course, before all this started, you know, I had a meeting with him and we we talked about what his interests were, what my interests were. And then we kind of talked about a project, and uh, it was my job to draft up the um, ethics approval for it and kind of, like, how things would go down. And that was all, obviously, like, they they helped me out. And, right. You know, I would write it up, and they would take a look at it and make minor tweaks. And I, I've realized, now that I have conversations with them, they're not so much judging or or telling me to do something or telling me to change something most of the time they're just inquiring Mm -hmm. and asking what my thoughts are which is really empowering yeah it's a it's a it's a change in mindset i feel because when i first started the program every conversation i had with them i i was always super confused and i was just trying to follow along and their chain of thought Mm -hmm. but now it's more we we talk about something and they give me some input. I fire back some input, and it's kind of it's very different. Yeah, but you like it the yeah, way it sounds- is. Oh yeah, I definitely like it the way it is. I like having that freedom to kind of think about a question. Yeah, and try and 
figured out the answer to it. I like that there's freedom, for sure. You mentioned your ethics approval. I know we were kind of talking about this before we started. Um, Mm -hmm. When I hear an ethics approval, because I just spent my last term uh, in a qualitative research methods class, and the type of research that I'll be doing next year is going to involve human participants. So the, the ethics approval that I would need to do is revolving, you know, around anonymity and like how do we ensure that the way that we're writing about people, um, given our sample and who we're getting data from is staying secure and that, you know, they're being represented and presented in a way that's comfortable for them and all that types of thing. But um, for a project like yours, where you're not on to the human trials stage yet. Yeah. What does that what does that approval kind of look like, and what are the some type of things that you need to get ethics for? And I guess I kind of maybe touch on like what are the certain things that you're actually doing in the lab now in your master's research. So uh, when it comes to I guess um, animal research, there are definitely definitely a lot of safeguards in place from the government um, to ensure that treatment and the use of animals for research is ethical and compassionate Um, there as a graduate student and undergraduate student if you're dealing with animals you have to be trained Um, there's an online process there's a course that you have to take Um, and once you pass the course you go into hands-on training and where a vet is actually present with you um, to teach you the proper use and care and handling of animals Mm -hmm. and any kind of manipulations that you do to the animals, whether that's drug administration or any kind of testing, you know, because we we have to ensure that the animals are safe and being treated with respect. Yeah. So what's that like for you from a personal perspective, working with animals in a lab space? Is that something that you've been comfortable with? Has that been a learning curve and a mountain you've had to climb at all? Um, That's definitely been, there's a learning curve associated with that. And just your comfort, I guess, increases over time because you spend more time with these animals. So I work with, with mice and I have friends who work with rats. I have friends who work with pigs. I have um, friends that actually work with monkeys which is very cool. Um, And we all do different things because we're studying different things. But for sure, in undergrad, I was very uncomfortable. I was very nervous whenever I had to handle an animal. I think with any kind of procedure or treatment that you give to to animals, you, you need to take time to develop your skills. And if you feel like you're struggling, then you can always go to the vets or your supervisor and ask them for advice or assistance but eventually you know you kind of you got to do it on your own right so i think like this is something that i think a lot of people are going to find interesting because almost every drug that we use over the counter or prescribed has had to go through some testing in order to determine whether or not it's safe for humans to use absolutely so which I find is really interesting because my other question too would be if you've gotten a lot of resistance or backlash um, for doing the research that you do, are you or or are you aware of 
organizations who protest against the use of animals in research and if that's ever affected the way that you guys do things or if it's had to change some of your research practices right well i personally have not been affected but for sure there are you know people out there who who really dislike the thought of using animals for research and, and drug testing but you're right um any drug that has you know come onto the market has gone through multiple stages of um drug testing through clinical trials and mm-hmm. usually that is three stages uh, all dealing with humans but before that is what's called preclinical testing and that's kind of the work that I'm in where you know you're in the discovery and and research development phase of new compounds and new drugs so yeah does that answer your question all right guys we hope you enjoyed our conversation with desmond so far uh obviously we had a lot of great things to talk about always a great time catching up and talking with desmond and just like with the gay podcast we decided to cut this up and make it two episodes so stay tuned until next week but until then, any questions, concerns, comments, feel free to get in touch with us through email. That's an interesting pod at gmail.com, through Instagram at TSI Podcast. And of course, you can get in touch with Desmond on Instagram at des.fung. So that's at D-E-S dot fung. All right. Stay tuned uh, for our second half of our conversation with Desmond dropping next week. Get it there and play, kids.